Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Hey, if you're joining us and you don't know who I am, my name is Billy, and um, I serve here as the pastor of discipleship, and it's my privilege to bring God's word this morning um, in Pastor Adrian's absence. And so, um, here we are uh, in the afterglow of Easter, and uh, we're continuing in our series that we began on Palm Sunday called The Stories of Your Life. The stories of your life. And so this is the third week. And what this series is trying to get at is uh, what this title gets at is it's referring to the key stories of people that are surrounding uh, Christ's passion, especially, and whose narrative has an impact on the lives and members of the church, even in the days in which we're living. That's us, right? That's you. And so they're not the stories of our lives, of course, right? We're looking at somebody else's life. But they're stories that undergird, that are foundational to the new life that is available in Christ Jesus. And they're the stories that challenge us, they encourage us, and they point us to the life himself that is Jesus. And so the first week we looked at Zacchaeus, the tax collector, um, and, and how Jesus pursued him and how he repented. He turned and found salvation in Christ, that Jesus was on mission and he was accomplishing his mission even to those on the fringes. And then last week on Easter, on Celebration Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, we looked at the thief on the cross. Now, there were two thieves, but we looked at the one who, who recognized his state and asked the Lord to remember him to remember him, and he found eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so here we are in the third week, and whose story will we take a closer look at today? St. Augustine said this, and it's on the screen. It says, him who the heavens cannot contain, the womb of one woman bore. She ruled our ruler. She carried him in whom we are. She gave milk to our bread. And if you couldn't have guessed it, it is Mary, the mother of Jesus. We're going to look at Mary's story. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the one who gave milk to our bread. Our minds can't wrap uh, around that idea, can they? But Mary was the only person who was with Jesus at the beginning of his life and also with him at the end. No matter if it was any advantage to Mary, no matter if her heart was being broken, she was found by his side. And listen, we don't, we don't worship uh, or we don't pray to Mary as our Catholic brothers and sisters do. We don't venerate her. Yet, yet we do recognize that she was blessed among women and chosen to carry our Messiah. And so we must recognize that, that she was blessed among women. Elizabeth called her the mother of her Lord. And so when the angel appears to Mary and says, Greetings, 
You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. That should cause us to stop and say, who is this woman? What can she teach us? When the angel says that, we recognize Mary is worth studying and admiring and even imitating. For you see, throughout history, no one person's story has been quite like hers. Writer Christine Brown said, Mary shines as a symbol of God's desire to use the obscure and the ordinary. And some of you probably feel that way this morning. You feel obscure, you feel unseen, you feel flat out as ordinary as ordinary can be. That's Mary's story. Mary shines as a symbol of God's desire to use the obscure and ordinary. And what encouragement from this simple peasant girl who now stands as one of the most loved women of all time. Let's learn from Mary's example today. So what is there? What is there to observe and learn from her story that can be a catalyst in our own story? What characterizes her life that should cause us to stop and take inventory of our own, to challenge us and yet encourage us? And perhaps from the start, it could simply be said that Mary never gave her circumstances the power to diminish her faith. Mary never gave her circumstances the power to diminish her faith. And so we're going to pick up uh, here in John 19 at the foot of the cross. And I know, praise God, he is risen, that Christ is risen indeed. But we're going to rewind a little bit because we want to get the full picture of Mary's life, right? We only get snippets of it throughout the Gospels. And so we want to get the full picture of it. And so we're going to begin in John 19. But Warren Wiersbe commentates this. He says, the first time we meet Mary in the Gospel of John, she's attending a wedding. And now she's preparing for a burial. The hour has come. John 19, verse 23. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and dividing them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. And this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. In verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Now to get to this moment, I want to rewind and we're going to go back there in just a minute, but I want, I want to go quickly to get us up to where we're at, to the foot of the cross. And so as Mary and Joseph brought their newborn son Jesus eight days after his birth, as Jewish custom would call them to, they bring him to the temple for dedication. And a godly man, now remember back with me here, Remember back with me, this is back a, a few years. A, a godly man named Simeon saw Jesus. He took him in his arms and he blessed the baby. He also blessed God that God had allowed him to see the Messiah's arrival. Yet Simeon also said this to Mary. Yes, and a sword will pierce through your own soul too. He told Mary, a sword will also pierce your soul and Mary surely has already experienced some of this throughout the ministry of her son. As she watched him be rejected and opposed and slandered and plotted against. Yet this, this picture of John 19 is the ultimate fulfillment of that solemn promise to Mary at the dedication of her son. And so of all of those who looked upon Jesus at the cross, none suffered as Mary did. As his mother did. And from the get-go, some of you 
where we begin, some of you know a little bit, a, a taste of her pain. Watching someone you love so deeply suffer so much. Some of you, you know the weight of that in a tangible way this morning. And it doesn't seem fair or it didn't seem fair. It, it doesn't seem right or just. But we look at Mary. We look at Mary and there she was at the foot of the cross, remaining faithful, remaining faithful, and no doubt trusting that this wasn't the end, whatever that meant. Trusting that this could not be the end, whatever that meant. And Warren Wiersbe says this, he says, Mary's silence is significant. For if anyone could have rescued Jesus, it was his mother. All she had to do was announce that his claims were false. But she said nothing. What a testimony to the deity of Christ as she watched her son be crucified. So if you pay attention, if you pay attention, and I'm going to take you, we're going to go on a journey here uh, through Mary's life. But if you pay attention, Mary's life will teach you faith. Mary's life will teach you faith. Her life, the snippets we see and know, her story is a challenging picture of what a life of faith truly looks like. And when we talk about faith, we're referring this morning to faith in God, particularly for us, the church today, faith in Christ Jesus. And faith is this by definition. It's a complete confidence in someone or something. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the writer of Hebrews said that faith is confidence. Faith is being sure of. Faith is confidence in what we've hoped for and assurance Assurance, it's certainty about what we do not see. That's the definition of faith that we get from Scripture. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain about what we do not see. And to really see this in full, we got to go back to the beginning of Mary's story as we know it. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And what you're going to see here is that Luke has not only explained how the plan of God uh, is advanced by telling the details of the birth announcement, he's also revealed the character of those surrounding the birth of John the Baptist and, yes, Jesus. And all the figures involved in the story are examples of spirituality as they respond to what God is doing among them. And when I say examples of spirituality, I don't mean this is a fictional tale trying to teach us a lesson. These are real people, but God is using them to reveal something to us. And so in the midst of God's cosmic story, there's human stories. And the narrative wants us to see both levels of the story. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 26, uh, this is going to sound familiar. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Listen, the word favor here, sharitu, I, I think I'm saying it right. The word favor here is the word grace. So the angel says, greetings, you who are greatly graced. Greatly graced. And what we're being taught here about Mary is that she was a recipient of God's great grace, not a source of grace, okay? 
That's very important. It's a distinction that's very important to make about Mary because it helps us see Mary in the right light, that she was a recipient of God's grace, not a source of God's grace. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor. You found grace with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And Mary responds in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So I want to run through this quickly. I want to run through it. All of these details reaffirm why at the start of this passage, Mary is called highly favored, the one who has found favor. She's honored by God, not because of her own merit or because she's done anything, but simply because she's the chosen vessel for the demonstration of God's grace. And God even gives a sign to Mary that these events are taking place. The angel reveals that her old relative will bear a child too and reminds her that nothing is impossible with God. He's holding that foundation of Mary's faith in place. As with Zechariah, this remark indicates that God can and will perform his word. His promise can be trusted. And trusting God's word is a characteristic of Mary that we must not miss. We must not miss her trust in God's word. But we see when the angel declares to Mary what's going to happen, Mary, Mary responds and says, how will this be? And if you know the story, shortly before that, uh, Zachariah, her relative's husband, an angel appears to him and says, y'all are going to have a baby in your old age. And he basically says, no, that's not possible. He doubts it. He doubts the angel and he's silenced because of it. But Mary says, how will this be? And what I want you to see is that she wasn't doubting it like Zechariah did earlier. What Mary is asking for was the method, the how. So don't interpret Mary's question as a lack in her faith this morning. Mary believed the promise. She just didn't understand the performance. All right, Mary, Mary believed the promise of God. She didn't understand the performance of how it would come to be because she says, I am a virgin. Vicki Kraft, writer and minister, said the angel's answer to her question, how will this be? It had to stretch her faith because it was certainly something she could not have understood. The angel tells her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so it didn't matter if Mary could understand what Gabriel was saying. She believed that God was able to do what he said he would do and that was enough. Do you trust him like that today? We get great insight into Mary's heart and character from her response to the angel's revelation. If you ever want to know exactly what Mary, the mother of Jesus, was, verse 38 will tell you in one summary sentence. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now listen, now the word servant, there, there are several, several different words used for the word servant in the Bible. 
But this one is the lowliest, the lowest form of servanthood that Mary refers to herself as. This is a bond slave. And maybe that makes you uncomfortable this morning, but that's just what it is. So what do we see here about Mary's attitude? Humility? I think so. We see total submission to the will of God. Now listen, listen church, uh, this didn't just happen in this moment. All of a sudden, an angel comes and tells her this, and she says, oh, yeah, well, I mean, I am the Lord's, you know, I, I haven't thought about it, but I, yeah, okay, let's do this thing, right? It didn't just happen in a moment where, where all of a sudden this divine being shows up, and Mary's like, oh, okay. No, this, this, I, this I believe, must have been the pattern of Mary's life. It was no simple matter. Mary is being asked to bear a child as a virgin, She hasn't known her husband. She hasn't known a man without being married. She's being asked to bear a child. In standing up for God and his power and his plan, she will probably become the object of much doubt and ridicule. But Mary knows that she is what? She's God's servant. She is God's servant. So she will allow God to work through her as he wills because her faith is living. You see, this was a young teenager. Mary was probably somewhere in the age uh, range from 12 to 14 years old. And that definitely makes some of you uncomfortable, but that's the, this was the culture. This was the day when girls were into puberty. They were planned to be married. They were pledged to be married. And so this was a teenager. So listen to me, young people. She's 12, 13, 14, and she could have this kind of relationship with God? Don't ever let your age, don't ever let your age hinder God's plans for your life or your obedience to God's ways. What a remarkable young girl Mary is. She was willing to serve God at any cost and cost there would be. She belonged totally to the Lord, body, soul, spirit. And so God has come and he can place her in whatever difficult circumstances he desires for she knows that God is with her. That's what she knows. She doesn't know how it's going to play out. All she knows is I have faith that God is with me. And so Mary's story, and I want to unpack this, Mary's story demonstrates faith. It demonstrates faith. And so I want to take that. I want to take faith and show you five characteristics of Mary that undergird this faith, this living faith that God is challenging us with today. Okay, we're going to take faith and we're going to unpack it in five characteristics that explain who Mary is. They show Mary's faith. And the first one is this, faithfulness. Mary demonstrated faithfulness to God alone, which resulted in steadfast obedience to him. Listen, if you think you can't identify with Mary, Mary was lowly. She was a peasant. She, she knew what it was to be obscure. She, she knew what it was to live in a foreign country. She, was fled, she fled to Egypt as a refugee where she didn't know the language, and she was a stranger. So I'm sure that for Mary there were lonely days away from her family and friends, but this woman of sturdy faith trusted God. She remained faithful to God and obeyed him. For Mary, it was better to suffer anything and be doing God's will than to be comfortable and to be out of his will. Do you feel that way today? I mean, be real honest with yourself. 
Because that makes me uncomfortable. For Mary, let me say it again, it was better to suffer anything and be doing God's will than to be comfortable and to be out of his will. And so Mary remained faithful to God alone. We see that in the snippets of her life. She remained faithful to God alone, faithful in obedience. The next characteristic is availability. She was available. Yes, God chosen her. He greatly graced her, but Mary still had to be willing. Mary showed availability. She was a willing vessel of the Lord. Verse 38, we already looked at it. Mary responds to the angel. I am the Lord. We don't see any, we don't see any reasoning with Mary. Well, I got, I got plans. I got a five-year plan. I wanted to go to college. And uh, I, wanted to, you know, I, had, I wanted to get this life thing under girds before we started having kids. And then maybe a few. You know, Joseph wants a big family. But no, right? Mary just says, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. Here I am. Here I am, God. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am available. The third characteristic trait, so we we see her faithfulness, we see her availability, and then we see I, we see her intimacy with God. We see her intimacy with God, her creator. And let let me note this, that intimacy with God in our lives will lead to a holy fear of God. Not an honorable respect of who he is, but intimacy will lead to a holy fear of God. And so we see, we see this intimacy present in Mary's life. We see it through her response to the word from the Lord, from Gabriel. How could you respond like that if you didn't have a relationship with the God who is speaking to you? We see it in her song of praise in the house of Elizabeth. You see, Mary knew and had hidden away the word of God deep in her heart. And we see this clearly. You say, how how do you know that? We see it clearly when she praises God upon the arrival and encounter with Elizabeth. She goes into Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth declares, uh, blessed are you uh, among women. Why would I be so graced to have the mother of my Lord show up? And so we know know that Mary breaks forth in song. It's in Luke. It's in Luke chapter 1. We see Mary's song as she glorifies the Lord. We see, we see her praising God, but her song is essentially a, a recitation of Old Testament scripture and prophecy. Mary has the word of God hidden in her heart. And she didn't have a smartphone, okay? She didn't have her smartphone nearby so she could look up the verse of the day or what she had highlighted, you know, in the Bible app and say, I know I had one in there about praise or something like that. And she definitely didn't have a copy of the Torah, Not many people did, especially a lowly peasant girl from Nazareth. But we see her reciting scripture, giving God's word back to him. She knew her God through his word. Do you know him like that? Because you can really only have genuine faith in someone that you really know. And to know carries the weight of intimacy. Listen, if you want to know, uh, as Mary, if you want to know that you're in the center of God's will, then you must live according to God's ways. And if you want to live according to God's ways, then you must be a person of God's word. If you're a person of God's word, you're going to live according to God's ways. And if you're living according to God's ways, you can know that you're in the center of God's will. 
Mary demonstrated intimacy with God, her creator. And then the last mention of her, we, we see her continuing this in Acts 1. We're going to look there in a minute. As she's gathered with the community of believers, she's gathered with the disciples and other women worshiping and seeking God in prayer. She desired to be intimate with her creator. The fourth characteristic that undergirds Mary's life of faith, of living faith, is trust. It's trust. Mary confidently believed God's word and that God was enough. She confidently believed his word because she knew his word. Has anyone trusted God like Mary? Or maybe the better question is, has God trusted anyone like he did Mary? Look, there's a snippet from, from Mary's life with Jesus, and it's this, it's this picture of trust. And so uh, we're going back to John chapter 2, the first picture we see of Mary, John chapter 2. It's a demonstration of trust. John 2 and verse 1 says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. You know the story. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, and listen, woman is not a sign of disrespect. It would be like, ma'am, but Jesus was polite. It's not a sign of disrespect. It's showing his, his disconnect with his earthly, uh, you know, mother. But he says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And I don't know what happened between verse 4 and 5. I don't know what happened between what Jesus said and his mother's response. I don't know. Some of you, if you're parents, you know, I, did Mary give him that look? You know, that look with the eye? Did Jesus give Mary, you know, was, did, did he sense what his mother wanted? Um, or, or did Mary even know what she was asking for? Like, I don't know what transpired. I don't know what happened. But the next thing that is said in verse 5 is this. His mother said to the servants... Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And so listen, whether, whether Mary is calling on Jesus because he's the eldest son of the family, because we find out that Jesus had brothers and, and, and they're probably at the party too. So whether he, she's calling on Jesus because he's the eldest son or she's learned to look to Jesus after Joseph has left the scene, after Joseph has passed away, or because she thinks he'll be able to address the problem seeing that he does have his disciples with him, it's uncertain. We don't get the context. It's probably not the case, I would say, that she was expecting a miracle to take place. There's no biblical precedence that would say that she expected a miracle like what follows. Because John records that this was the first of Jesus' uh, miracles publicly and his disciples placed their faith in him. And so maybe, maybe she did. But Mary says something. Her response to her Savior Son, I want you to hear it again. This is her response. This is the only time Mary in Scripture gives any orders to anybody. But notice what she says. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. If that's not a picture of trust, if that doesn't underscore uh, Mary's life of faith, and her trust in God. Do you realize that she's still saying that to us today? You see, the focus is never on Mary. 
It's her son. It's God's son, her savior, and ours that must be trusted and obeyed. And so Mary says to us today, do whatever he tells you. You can trust him. You can trust him. And finally, the fifth, the fifth attribute that characterizes Mary's life, she demonstrates humility. Mary's life demonstrates a life of humility. Her response to God's work demonstrates this. Humility, by definition, is a modest or low view of one's own importance. Not a low view of one's own self. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about one's own importance. And so we see this in Mary's song of praise when she breaks out in Elizabeth's house. She even refers to herself as lowly, that God has looked upon the lowly. Mary's life is one of humility, always posturing herself before God in humility. And we see it, the last mention of Mary uh, is in Acts chapter 1. And we see this characteristic of Mary at play. And verse 12 says, then the apostles returned. They're returning from the Mount of Olives where they had just seen Jesus ascend to heaven. So they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And they went up into the room where they were staying. And it says, those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And verse 14 says, and they all joined together constantly in prayer and along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary's present. She's in the upper room, and she's praying in a posture of humility. Vicki Kraft says this, she had known the presence of God all through those years. She knew what it was to raise a large family, to economize on a tight budget. Can some of y'all relate? She experienced slurs on her reputation Mary knew unbelief in her own family as her other sons rejected her firstborn all their lives until after Jesus' resurrection. Mary knew the pain of sibling turmoil. Can you relate to her? But now that Jesus' earthly life was over, she asked for no special place of honor. She was simply another worshiper of the Lord. Her posture was, I'm just the Lord's servant. And so this is what it looks like. This is what faith looks like. When you run through the list, her five attributes, faith, right? Faith, I don't, I don't always do these acrostic things, but this worked out beautifully. And so faith, Mary's life was underscored uh, by faithfulness, availability, intimacy with God, trust in God and his word, and a posture of humility that made up this living faith that Mary demonstrated and should challenge our lives today. It should challenge the way we live our lives in the world in which we're living. If the ladies want to come and prepare the clothes, author Kent Hughes says this. He said, our devotion, our devotion, and I say faith, our faith, must culminate in a conscious yielding of every part of our personality, every ambition, every relationship, and every hope to God for his service. Our devotion must culminate in this conscious yielding of our lives as we see in the life of Mary. Listen, family, it's not a checklist. Well, I prayed for five minutes today on the way to work. Do that. Or I read my devotional and you know, I got my, my snippet, my one scripture for today. Do that. 
It's not, well, I asked God to help me succeed at work or, uh, you know what, I've been pretty uh, faithful this year in Sunday service worship or, you know what, I even went to life group a couple times this semester. It's not like that. This life, is, this life of faith that we're called to is this, is this conscious yielding of all that we are, all that makes up who we are, our relationships, our plans, our personality, every ambition. And if we're honest, this is tough because because often we're proud and, and we fear losing something. A lot of times that's control. More often than we fear God, the king of the universe. Right, sometimes that word faith makes us uncomfortable because, because in our mind it carries this sense of letting it go. And that's exactly the sense that it carries. It's not easy. It's not easy to be faithful in obedience when the way of the world seems so much easier to walk. It's not easy to make yourself available, to surrender daily to God's purposes for your life and give him control and to declare with Mary, yes, I am the Lord's servant. It's not easy to foster this kind of intimacy with the Almighty when your smartphone is so close and busyness seems to be the default existence that we like to live. Listen, it's not easy to practice this trust, to trust in the Lord when many of us are so unfamiliar with the faithful promises of His Word because we just don't open our Bibles and store it away in our hearts. It's not easy to practice humility in a culture that declares that your self-gratification and your satisfaction are of the utmost importance. And to deny that is evil and suppressive. It's not easy to live the life of faith in Christ Jesus, but it's, it's always worth it. Amen? It's always worth it. This kind of life that we see in Mary, this kind of life that we're called to, directed by a, a Mary-like faith, it blesses the Lord. It blesses God. Now, I'm, I'm like all of you. I want God's blessings in my life. But man, don't you want your life to be a blessing to God? Mm. St. Teresa of Avila said, God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. You see, the sum of the matter concerning Mary's story seems to be this. The mother of Jesus was a typical Jewish believer of the best kind. She was deeply meditative as she's often pondering things in her heart, right? But by no means was she a, a, an original thinker. Her inherited messianic beliefs did not and perhaps could not prepare her for the method of Jesus, which involved so much that was new and unexpected. It required faith. But her heart was true. And from the beginning to the day of Pentecost, she pondered in her heart the meaning of her many puzzling experiences until the light came through God's revelation. You see, the story of her life and her relationship to Jesus is consistent throughout. And it's touched by many unconscious traits of truth. So such a narrative could not and have been feigned or fabled. Listen, and I'm almost done. I'm not hoping that Mary's story will inspire you today. 
You can go listen to a TED Talk. That can do that. I pray that the Spirit of God is using this to call you to another plane. To complete surrender. To a functional faith as you live in the way of Jesus as his disciples. You see, Mary could have doubted the words of Gabriel the angel. She could have doubted her son's ability to turn water into wine. She could have doubted he was who he claimed to be. She could have doubted his resurrection. Yet we always see that she always chose to live by faith. Would you stand with me this morning? My question to you is, is do you clear distractions, remove distractions, do you live out what you claim to believe? Because that characterized Mary's story. Mary literally lived out what she believed about God, her creator, about who she knew he was. And by his grace and power, uh, she was enabled to do so, but by her own free will. So today, are you living a life characterized by faith? Is your life characterized by this kind of faith? Or is that just a nice sounding bumper sticker? A nice post on your Twitter feed or your Facebook page? Or today, would you declare with the Apostle Paul, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Echoing Mary's statement, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled, God. Listen, we're going to sing a song, and I don't want this song. I'm going to invite you to make this your prayer. The altars are open. You can come and pray. You can surrender. Whatever you sense the Lord is calling you to, you can turn your seat into an altar. But this song is going to say, uh, narrow as the road may seem, I'll follow where your spirit leads. I hear you call and I am available. I say, yes, Lord. Everything I am, everything I have, it belongs to you anyway. For the one who gave me life, nothing is a sacrifice. Use me how you want to, God. Have your throne within my heart. Mary was faithful, she was available, intimate, trusting, humble. From start to finish, Mary's story demonstrated faith. Will the same be true for you and me? Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we thank you for this picture of your mother. As we talk to you, we are grateful for the picture, for the life of your mother, your earthly mother. The steadfast faith, her faithfulness, her availability, her intimacy with her creator, the way she trusted in God, the way that she humbled herself before her creator. God, we thank you for this picture. And God, I pray that in these moments we would allow you to take inventory of our lives to examine whether we're really living that kind of faith, if we're really living a faith of surrender to you. And God, that we would not leave this place until we've postured ourselves, we've postured our hearts before you in a faith of surrender. 
for you're certainly worthy. And you're certainly faithful. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.